What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Security Squawk podcast. I'm your co-host, Brian Horning, here with Randy Bryan, Reginald Andre, and Ryan O'Hara. What's up, boys? I'm back in my normal spot. I feel feel more comfortable today. <laughs> I was I was in a different square last time. It was it was freaking. Uh, oh, that uh, <laughs> backdrop. No, no, no. I'm I'm in my right uh, quadrant of the uh, the podcast today. Safety. Yeah, what you see on this screen is what everybody sees in the whole wide world, unlike Zoom. Right. right? <laughs> so today we got interesting stuff happening out there. Um, definitely seeing a massive uptick in attacks happening, ransomware attacks and things like that. <clears throat> and we want to cover that in today's show and just kind of give people an awareness of what they can expect going into 2023. Um, cause there's a lot of stuff happening right now. I think we talked about that a little bit in, in November, kind of saying in October going into November saying things were quiet and that's usually a sign that things are about to ramp up, but that's exactly what we've seen in November and December. Um, I mean, just go to Google news and do type in the word ransomware in the box and you're just going to see no shortage of articles that have come out in the last week or two of companies that are dealing with ransomware events. So we're going to cover that today and try to help educate you on what you can do to start protecting yourself. Cause you know, business is still two years into this podcast and businesses still are not doing enough to protect themselves, which is why you have things like FTC safeguard rules coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit today and, and how many businesses that's going to impact and who's who it's going to impact. But before we do, we're going to hit Andre up for, for the fee. What's the fee? This, it is free 99. There's no cost to listening. There's no uh, advertisements on our show. All we ask is that you consume the data. And if you have anybody you can share this with, um, please do. And of course, uh, like whatever uh, platform you're listening to. That's right. No, 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 uh, no garbage, just the goods. Share our show, rate our show, do whatever you can. Help us out social media. You never know who's going to see our stuff and it could help them, uh, you know, maybe with a cyber attack one day or help them avoid one. So guys, we got a lot of stuff that we had to pick from. Hopefully we can keep this in our time frame. Um, but there's so much stuff out there. First off, uh, we got a, you know, an issue happening. Number one, holistically, just at a high level speaking, we were kind of talking about it in the green room where, you know, the education sector from K through 12 all the way through college, they're just having a hell of a time with ransomware. Um, you know, we were talking about, we did the whole show on cyber insurance last week. Um, and one of the sectors, I mean, you know, we're, we're not, uh, it's not like we're not included in this because I think as a managed service provider and IT company, you should be highly scrutinized in your practices and it's hard for companies like ours to get cyber insurance um, because those companies see us as high risk. Well, K through 12 and the education sector are right in that as well to where a lot of these carriers have decided we're not going to write cyber insurance policies for these for these schools and these school districts. Um, and it's simply because, you know, when it, when the insurance companies look at an industry and say, is it worth it? They've looked at the K through 12 district, not because they're like this massive target, 
it's because they just aren't doing enough to protect themselves. So the risk is too great for these companies to write these policies. Um, and now, you know, yes, the hackers know that these entities are, you know, very easy targets, but they're now changing their tactics and how they're looking to get paid. So, um, what's going on here, guys? I mean, that, you know, we, we know that the schools have to pay, but now we're reading that the students are being, you know, potentially extorted as well as part of these ransomware attacks. Seems What's like uh, th th it's taking cues from the the recent breach in Australia, where they they mm -hmm. gathered all of that information, and not only did they go after the entity that they had compromised, but they used that information to blackmail individuals based on the information that they obtained. So uh, it was like a blueprint for uh, double and triple dipping on uh, you know ways that they could financially incentivize themselves. And and it's something we've been talking about for, for pretty much since the beginning that any information that they can get. Um, they they can use um, whether that's to better better uh, organize an attack, whether that's blackmail um, or other psychological operations. Like that's why all this information is so valuable because there's so many ways they can use it. And when they're just going around making big old ransomware off the whole organization mm -hmm. all over everywhere, maybe they don't get around to the people because it's too much work. But maybe they're being forced to get down to where they're starting to extort the actual people more, um, which is what they did or are trying to do in this particular case. Yeah, and it's a classic shakedown. You have this school that has about 1,100 students. Imagine now you have 1,100 students putting pressure on the administrators, the dean and the, and the president of the college and the board, and everybody knows about it. A lot of times with ransomware attacks, everything is on the hush-hush, and six months later is when you hear about it. But all the students know, all the students, you know, they live there, they're knocking on the doors of the administrator saying, you know, hey, my information is out there. What are you going to do about it? So now the pressure is on them to pay the ransom so that uh, this info doesn't get leaked. Kind of begs the question, though, are they, are they shooting themselves in the foot a little bit? So on one hand, you know, we definitely have been uh, proponents for, you know, wanting to get the word out that this stuff is happening. So the fact that the information is getting out there a little bit better is, is, is great for us. Uh, but if they keep going after every dollar that they can get, I mean, at some point people are going to go, well, why should I bother paying? You're just going to go after it again this way and this way and this way. And, and you know, it's going to start hurting their reputation. Which, again, yeah, would be a good thing for us and, and shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's Knox College and it's pretty wild. I mean, and Randy's right. We've talked about this on a number of occasions where this could happen and and it could, you know, ex this ex double, triple extortion, however many times they're going to use these different tactics to go after the same target um, or related targets. But, you know, just telling them, like, you get this email, right? You're just sitting there and you get an email and it says, hey, you know, we it's almost going to look like one of those kind of like, uh, you know, um, Nigerian prince emails, right? We have compromised your college networks and they spell college wrong right collage <laughs> yeah and, and and the data we have includes your personal information medical records psychological assessments and many other sensitive data um additionally all of your ssn and medical records will be put up for sale for every hacker to gain access and use uh your data in whatever illegal activity they want 
To us, this is a normal business day. For you, it's a sad day where everyone will see your personal and private info. So, you know, this is an interesting tactic. I don't know how, how well it's going to work um, because people are trained to kind of ignore this stuff. Like, oh, this isn't real. This is this is fake, right? Um, so what do you guys think would happen if somebody treats it that way and doesn't take it seriously? I, I think I don't see how these hackers perpetrate that. Like if maybe you get somebody on the hook, you know, by replying to that email because they are scared. But I think if you're somebody who ignores it, what, where does that lead? I think they'll just come around and they'll publish parts of the data, just like they did in Australia. They'll publish parts of the data to prove that they actually have it. They'll, they'll basically make it where you can't ignore. You can't ignore. Um, they'll, go, they'll go public. They'll put it out there. They'll link it to the news, whatever they've got to do. And, you know, this just goes also ties in also, I kind of already mentioned this, but just classic psychological operations. We've talked before about how when a company has ransomware or, or an organization, they'll do things like hack the website because that just gets in your brain and it puts uh, a- anxiety in your brain. It also puts um, you know more urgency in your brain and you're more likely to make dumb decisions. And that's really what they're doing here by, by going after the students, they're putting more pressure onto the administration, if you will. And they're also, you know, they're doing a psychological operations. And I'm I'm sure everybody in that office is running around like chickens with their heads on fire right now because they're in the middle of this uh, of this attack and all these threats are getting made, which is exactly what the what the bad guys want here. It makes for an interesting PR dilemma, though. I mean, like if if it's it's one of those things where, you know, uh, you know, paying the ransom keeps it silent and keeps it from getting to the public. Then there's there's a benefit to the to the uh, person to not pay or the entity to not pay. If it's already been made public, it seems like it would make it easier for them to say, you know, hey, we're we're not going to um, facilitate this any longer, and we're not going to pay this. And then you know they've they've got the PR on their side of you know, hey, I, I understand this stuff got out there. You know, what's done is done, but we're not going to further um, you know pay terrorism essentially uh, by doing this. So I don't know. Again, it's something something I think it could shoot them in the foot. I don't yeah. think they'll they'll like release it all. They'll release just enough, mm-hmm. like a sample, to let you know, hey, we really do have this information. Yeah. You know? um, no, I agree. I, I just think it, that makes it easier for the person getting ransom to say we're not going to pay. I mean, now it's already in the public. You know, the the damage is is done essentially, especially when they're talking about third party credentials and not theirs. Right. Yeah. So I mean, just to kind of give everybody an idea. Knox College, and I don't know if we covered it on the show, but they got they got hit on December 12th. Um, and uh, so that was about a week ago, right? So they're in the process right now of negotiating the ransom. Mm-hmm. So this is more than likely just an attempt to, to kind of, you know, put pressure on them from the student body to, to start, you know, in the hackers, you know, playbook, right? They're putting pressure on the school by sending these emails to the students, hoping the students will turn around and say, you know, do something about this, or, you know, we're worried about our, our data getting out there. doesn't seem to be having that effect. They, you know, the NBC news story here that uh, Kevin Collier did, he interviewed quite a few students. One thought that the email was completely fake. The other one was like, you have my data. Like, you know, even if I pay you to, 
you know, keep that data private, I, I have no guarantee that you're actually going to do that. So why would I pay you? Mm-hmm. Um, so these are kind of the attitudes that are that are that are being taken by the students. Um, the interesting thing to me will be when I got to imagine it's a when and not an if uh, when the class action lawsuit comes from some lawyer who gets these students together to file a class action lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to become ugly for the school and, at that point. And this is also part of the cat and mouse game. So um, if the people that are being terrorized all start saying, oh, you know, it's my dad, I do whatever you want with it, I don't care. Well, they're going to come up with something else to try to get the money from the business or the organization. So um, it's just kind of all part of that intricate cat and mouse game that's constantly going on between um, that side and our side, if you will. Yeah, at the very end of the article, it says everybody's getting really angry and frustrated with the school and we're supposed to go back in a couple of weeks. Um, you know, this just unfortunately, you know, smells like this is just going to lead to a big fat class action lawsuit. Um, and probably a lot of school, a lot of students withdrawn from the school as a result. Um, which is, you know, we've seen that right with previous school tax. So, and, and like you said in the past, the only people who end up winning are the, uh, the, the attorneys for the class action lawsuit and the bad guys. hundred percent. So we got this, uh, moving right along. We have, uh, good luck to Knox college, by the way, um, with that tough one. So phishing attacks via, via Facebook, not, not anything new here. Right. Um, but there's a new phishing campaign, according to bleepingcomputer.com, that uses Facebook posts as part of its attack chain to trick users into giving away their account credentials and uh, personally identifiable information. So uh, what's going on here? Who wants to take this? So it's a phishing email that you get in. you get an email and it says you need to click here. But when you click, it takes you to the Facebook page. So it bypasses a lot of the filters, et cetera. Then from there, it's asking you to reset your password, but it's actually a post within Facebook. So somebody created a Facebook account and they uh, created these fake posts. And then uh, when you click on it, that's when now they're saying, give us your account information and you know whatever they're trying to steal from you. So it's a pretty clever thing because it's because you know Facebook is a legit website. So it's passing all the the unless you have a, a block on your company's network where there's no Facebook allowed, but otherwise for the most part, they'll just go right in. It's just it's adding cool. an extra an extra hop in between. So the, the email contains a legitimate email or a uh, link. And then the post that it, it shows you after that is the one that contains the link where they send you someplace else. Yep. And then you're, once you're uh, on that Facebook post, the, the links that you click from there are very suspect. Mm-hmm. But I think the whole idea is that people's guard is a little bit down because they clicked and like, oh, I'm at Facebook. You know, and you're super busy or whatever. And, you know, you don't you don't notice that it's like meta dot for business dot. You don't even notice it changed necessarily. Yeah. A look and feel is still Facebook at that point. So if you don't look back up at the at the address bar, you think you're still in in Facebook. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And then uh, interestingly enough here with. I'm going to actually, I got to show, I'm going to share the screen here for a second. I got to get to a point where I can do that. Uh, Cause I think people need to see what these, 
ads look like because they're they're pretty slick, quite frankly. Um, so give me one second. Bah, 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 bah. That's not the one I want to share either. All right, we'll just do it like this and hope for the best. <laughs> That's always a good sign. I'm going to do this and hope for the best. Yeah. Uh, so let me pop that over there. I got so many screens. The joys of the live broadcast. There we go. Yep. All right. So here are the ads. Here's what they look like. I wanted to get it up on the screen because I want people to see it. Um, bye. Um, pretty interesting stuff. They use avatars that look like Facebook, kind of like icons right um so it doesn't look like it's an actual facebook account right that's one way they're tricking you because that is a facebook account that would normally be your face right there's a little round bubbles like facebook if they really wanted to could could find these and identify them oh my god in like two seconds yeah but you know for the time being but like anything with cybersecurity, for the time Mm -hmm. being cat and mouse game yep this is gonna work Right. So you got to be aware of it until they build the technology to deal with it. Um, looks like a lot of them are around like you losing your your page, your 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 account um, and putting some urgency on the why you got to click this link right now. Um, I definitely would not click on that link, though. <laughs> um, they are just not Facebook links, and I don't know why on earth anyone would fall for these. Um, but people do. Um, if so that's why it, well, if you send it to a, a, you know several million people, you're going to get several that do it. Yeah, I mean that's a guarantee. You know the numbers game. Yeah, but when you're getting messages and it's not going to a Facebook link, probably a good sign that it's fake. So, well, so the message goes to a Facebook link. And then once you're at Facebook, then that link is not Facebook. The one that sends you out of Facebook is not Facebook. So I was going to mention this because you mentioned the cat and mouse game, which involves, you know, not just the good guys and the bad guys. It, it also involves the innocence, if you will. And for years, we've been training them, you know, hover your mouse over, you know, it makes sure it's something legit. And this, this is a perfect example in this chess game or this cat and mouse game of how they've slightly changed it because you get that email, you hover your mouse over it and you're like, Oh, it's actually Facebook. Boom. I'm going to go. And your guard is down um, because you thought it was Facebook. And now you're going to work to rectify this problem that you have with uh, Facebook. It kind of reminds me of one of the scams where they use an actual QuickBooks online account um, to send you an invoice or they use an actual um, PayPal account to send you an invoice. And then they make their own little uh, footer at the bottom, which says, you know, hey, if you got a problem with this invoice, call us, you know, and you click on it. And, you know, next thing you know, the hackers are are hacking you or stealing your uh, your money. And also just real quick, wanted to say we never we never want to forget that Facebook is since everybody has Facebook, Facebook is a pretty, a pretty important vector to make sure that we don't get attacked from. So be sure that you have multi-factor turned on your Facebook account. Be sure that you have a good, long, random password and that you're very careful with anything involving Facebook since everybody has one. And, you know, it's pretty much embarrassing when they get a hold of your Facebook and start doing stuff. So 
good thing to keep in mind. It's a pretty important attack vector for just about anybody um, in today's world. Why is there awkward silence? <laughs> Hi, boys. Uh, I'm having technical difficulties. Oh, here, okay. so I need uh -oh. you guys to pick uh -oh. up for me. We didn't even talk about China today. <laughs> I don't know. It seems like it's good now that Randy stopped talking. I don't know what was going on there. Maybe it was Randy that was the problem. <laughs> yeah. While I was talking, I was sending out a hat. No, I got a I little got message. On. <laughs> you got, no, I got, got a message thing on my screen where it's saying my connection is unstable. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yeah. Maybe well, you're seeing a holiday season uh, onslaught of denial of service attacks. Are we done with this particular article? We want to move on or we're going to keep I just segued it to the next article. That was the next article. Oh, boom. Holiday season, season there. We're in denial of service attacks. Oh, Ryan, why don't you explain what that is? I hadn't read that story yet, so I just pulled up the headline. Ah. Well, you know, d denial of service attack is where they mm -hmm. make it where you can't use things, usually using a, a basically a network of robots, um, a.k.a. a botnet. Um, and then they send requests to servers because everything on the Internet runs on a server just about. And so they send a request to the server, but they send millions and millions, if not billions of requests. And the server just basically bogs down uh, because it can't do anything. So. Um, that's kind of the gist of where it starts out. You already knew that part. <laughs> yes, I, I was talking about the, the specifics of the story. So one, one thing in here that what, what it's really talking about is, is a huge uh, jump in ransomware attacks that we've seen recently. Uh, so in the months of uh, November, uh, and it's not even hitting December yet, but we seem to be on that that same trend. Uh, we've seen a 41% jump in ransomware attacks from October to November. Uh, making November the most active month for malware since April, which is uh, which is pretty huge. And then further on in the story, it does uh, an, an analysis of uh, ransomware regionally, um, and North America is by far the uh, the, the dominant victim here uh, at fifty seven percent, which the next closest was Europe at twenty four percent. So uh, North America in November getting hit or got hit uh, pretty hard with uh with ransomware and this is all because we're all going on vacation right all the employee employers want their employees to take all their time off and people taking long vacations so um we're gonna see this yep and it, it makes it uh, both easier and more difficult to choose stories to talk about for this because we had a whole bunch of stuff to talk about uh, stories to choose from today because of the uh, the, the ransomware attacks uh, right. that hit in November that are now starting to hit the news over the last couple of weeks. Right. Yeah. Well, everybody's worried about their uh, their Christmas packages getting delivered and right. they get tricked with these phishing emails that are related to you know, hey, your delivery couldn't be made. Uh, those are those are the uh, the you know really effective uh, phishing campaigns. You know, UPS, FedEx, USPS, Amazon. Um, everybody has something coming in, so it's not unusual to get an email like that saying, Hey, there's been an update on your, on your package status. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to click on that. I literally got one today, but the URL was some weird, goofy, like I've never heard of that delivery company or anything like that. And it was obviously 
you know, they were obviously trying to get my credentials, but they said something along the lines of um, they had the wrong house number or something weird like that. Um, you know, although I want to bring up a small point. So I knew right away, you know, wrong house number. Like I knew right away. I was listening to, to, a, to a podcast in the last couple of days and the person said that those are designed like that on purpose because your average smart person is going to read that and not click on it. Okay. And if I did click on it, I'm going to be suspicious as crap every single step down the road because, because I'm watching for things like that. And so they do that. I've, I heard this person was saying his theory is that they do that on purpose. So the people that aren't so smart that don't catch that, who aren't going to get, they're not going to stop. They're going to, they're going to go through every single potential roadblock and give away their money or give away whatever that these things are designed to make it where they'll click on that. They're purposely dumbed down. Like, like he was saying, like the Nigerian, Nigerian Prince thing, like it's purposely dumbed down. So your average person won't click on it, but someone who's not as intelligent might. So anyway, that was an interesting thought. Um, that I just heard uh, this week. And I had not heard that particular viewpoint before. Hmm. So if you fall for the Nigerian scam, do not do not post that here publicly because just kidding. At the same time, we need them to spread awareness. Exactly. <laughs> now they're not going to because of what you just said. We stigmatized it. It's pretty <laughs> interesting. Pretty interesting how well they know their customer. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> You know, that's a that's another piece of it too. So they, they're doing market research. So markers, yep. You gotta go really high or really low. <laughs> so Microsoft has been having some more issues lately dealing with uh you know, releasing patches of fixing things that their operating system known as Windows uh usually uh causes or is is the is the culprit behind why attackers are able to do things we got this couple interesting articles that came out this week this is one of them where microsoft um these signed windows drivers um come and rear in their ugly heads now the interesting thing that i read with this one is that attackers already have to have administrative rights uh in order to be able to take advantage of this um, but microsoft decided it was a, it was serious enough to patch anyway um, you know, I mean, if you have admin rights to a, a machine, um, that's just one machine. It doesn't mean, you know, you can't use this to jump to another machine on the network and, and possibly infect more machines than just one. Um, that's the, that's the real, you know, threat here for, for these types of things. Um, so think about this, right? You get a, a phishing email, you click on that email. You have admin rights to your computer. You don't need any special credentials to install software. Um, that's what that's just what you do. You click on stuff and you install software, um, and you have, you know don't need a username and password to do anything. It just installs and you're, and you're on your merry way. Well, hackers love that, um, but they can only take advantage of your machine. And there's certain things like this that allow attackers to move across the network and infect multiple machines. Um, simply because you have admin rights on your machine. So I'm talking to, you know, the business owner who thinks, you know, he deserves admin rights because he owns the business. I'm talking to the companies out there that 
don't even think twice about, you know, what kind of accounts they have on their Windows machines, whether they're standard users or admin users, um, and just, you know, don't understand what the risk is there. Um, the risk is huge because this could, you know, that that password or requiring that password could be the reason you get ransomware, you don't believe it or not. So um, there's another article here, guys, uh, too, that talks about um, uh, some other patches uh, that were released by Microsoft as well around the same type of thing. But um, anything else you guys want to add to this? Because that's kind of the gist of it. I mean, patch your systems. That's the moral of the story. Make sure you have a patching process. And don't give don't give daily driver accounts mm-hmm. the accounts you use to log into your computers every day. Make sure they're not admin rights. Yeah, and it just goes back to making sure that you have different solutions in place and different layers in place because you know you could get something that that has a Microsoft trusted certificate assigned to it that is malicious, and yeah. so you need those other things in place to protect you against that kind of thing. We, we yeah, need I mean, to, that's we, another we, thing we've been talking about on here for a long time, and it's a really big deal, and. I think it kind of falls under the category of supply chain attacks. Yep. Um, and, you know, in this particular or one of these one of the articles that you mentioned, the bad guys basically set up a fake developer account, um, use that to generate some certificates and get some stuff in some drivers, get some drivers signed. And you're right. Like um, you have to be careful because, you know, not everything that's signed is legit. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need to be on the lookout for supply chain attacks, which this is, you know, how does this affect the average business? I mean, if they were um, installing some driver, the system's going to see it as trusted. Mm-hmm. And who knows what processes it's going to generate, you know, from there. Um, so that's a, that's, this is, this is pretty uh, complex, um, pretty ingenious. Um, and, you know, we're going to keep seeing a lot of it. I don't think it's, I think it's going to go anywhere, anywhere, anytime soon. Hmm. Yeah, we've even um, seen it in the Microsoft Store, where there was um, actually apps there that were were not legit. Go cool. so follow up. I think this is a follow up, but I don't really know because it seems different to me as I'm reading through it. But DraftKings warns of sixty-seven thousand people uh, whose information was exposed in account hacks. Uh, so is this the same thing we talked about? And it was just that they were able to get into 67,000 customers who had their information on the dark web. Well, this is the one I, it, the story is definitely a follow-up, but this was the one that, that there were some question marks surrounding it because, uh, they, they were, uh, throwing it out there as a credential stuffing hack that they weren't, they weren't directly hacked. And these, these breaches were the, the result of, uh, reused passwords that had been leaked on the dark web and things like that. Uh, but then they also, you know, made those customers whole as well. So like they were uh, clearly pushing the responsibility and saying it, it wasn't anything that they did, but then they were paying the, the customers who were impacted to uh, make them whole. And then, so this, yeah, with, when you start talking, and it's actually closer to 68,000, um, further down in the article, it says uh, 67,995 people were exposed. Um, that does seem really high for a credential stuffing attack. Well, that yeah, I mean, that's I think that probably maybe that kind of blew the whistle on them, but they've yeah. had to now disclose it with the state and all that kind of stuff because it looks like the 
bad people got in and were able to get the credentials and then use them to attack the accounts and instead of just going on the dark web and getting random credentials um, that way. So um, at this this point, there's kind of a follow up. You know, we we always joke about it, but, you know, phase one of a breach yeah. is, you know, hey, there's been a breach, nothing to see here, move along, you know, but as the news comes out and as things get released, we find out more and more. Um, and it looks like in this case, like, why is it only limited to 68,000? Is that all the customers that they have? Um, I would think a company like DraftKings probably has millions of customers. Like, how do we know that more weren't involved in that attack? Mm -hmm. You know, did they like they need more details need to be released. Right. Because and if you're in if you're in the system, depending on where they keep that stuff, you know, it seems like you could be able you should be able to get it all, not just sixty eight thousand of, you know, to me that's probably I don't know if that's ten percent. I'm not sure how big they are, but it seems like they'd be able to get a lot more data out. And I want to know why they didn't get more out. Were they were they stopped while they were downloading? You know, um, did they have it segmented according to something like, you know, virtual servers on Google Cloud or whatever, you know? I just want to know. Well, so and it, the, the one line in here that, that's interesting is, is the company said attackers obtained the credentials needed to log into customers' accounts from a non-DraftKings source. Right. Not from non-DraftKings sources. So seems to me that somebody got into, you know, then they're, they're trying to say that somebody got into another account that had access to all of these, all of their customer. Yeah, you know, that or they just credential stuffed from the dark web. I mean, yeah. it's but entirely possible. They've had uh, to disclose this to the state, though. So it's more than just random things were pulled off the dark, I, in my opinion. It just seems like it's more. The reason they had to disclose it to the state is because they have evidence that people who shouldn't have been in other people's accounts were accessed. So they have to report that. The other interesting thing to me out of this thing, and this is what people need to be aware of, says the common denominator for user accounts that got hijacked seems to be an initial $5 deposit followed by a password change enabling two-factor authentication on a different phone number and then withdrawing as much as possible from the victim's linked bank accounts. So what they were doing was uh, you have your bank account connected in DraftKings. So what they were basically doing was, is they were going in, they were withdrawing as much as they could from your account, putting it into your DraftKings account, which was a vehicle. And then they were connecting their accounts some way, like a Venmo or whatever they were using, and withdrawing that to their accounts. So they were using DraftKings as a vehicle to steal money from people's bank accounts. That's literally what was going on here. It wasn't like they were taking the funds from a DraftKings balance that somebody just had there, you know, because they used DraftKings. They were going into people's banks and, and, and hitting them with transactions, which to me... Uh, I mean, I don't know. There should be a lot more security on that than, you know, if you're withdrawing from bank accounts, there should be another check involved. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, while DraftKings has not shared additional information on how the attacker stole the funds, uh, bleepingcomputer.com has since learned that the attack was conducted by a threat actor selling stolen accounts with deposit balances on an online marketplace for 10 to $35. So somebody else kind of compiled this and, and he wasn't using these accounts for his own gain. He was set. Well, 
directly, he was selling access to these accounts for 10 to $35 um, to anybody who wanted to kind of perpetrate this, this, uh, this attack. Um, the sale included instructions on how the buyers could make $5 deposits and withdraw all of the money from hijacked DraftKings user accounts. I still smell poopy. I still think something else is going to come out of this because the non-DraftKings source, it's a list of DraftKings mm -hmm. accounts. Okay, so maybe there's a third party who has it, but they they came from DraftKings. There's more to this story. I'm, I'm but you know, I'm not yeah. finding it. I mean, it all sounds like yeah, they're I think out. I think the story. Do what? One one of two things. Okay. The person selling it for ten to thirty. One of two things: the person selling it for ten to thirty-five dollars is either an inside job. It's an inside job, or this person spent a bunch of time verifying that these credentials worked on these accounts, and they he was basically selling verified accounts. Like if you buy this from me, I guarantee you'll be able to log into it. Potentially, so that, that, I don't know. I'm still suspicious. So, I think there's more, but. Or we'll they see. still have access and they, they haven't gotten caught yet. Exactly. I'm probably Wild, assuming man, the worst. These guys are thinking of these days. <laughs> so I don't know much about this one. I got to pull up the article. My computer's running a little slow, so I don't know how successful I'm going to be in that. Um, but Ukraine hacked via Trojanized Windows installer. What's going on here? I mean, basically, somebody somebody repacked your Windows installer um, with a Trojan. And, you know, end of the day, bottom line is that's pretty bad idea. You don't want to get your installers off of, you know, um, torrent accounts or, you know, Microsoft.net with an O for the S. You want to get them all from legit legit servers that's the high that's the high level there um of it yeah exactly what randy said it's basically you have the it department of ukraine government bootlegging microsoft windows installer files and not you know Thanks. going through a pack state or something <laughs> and then they um and yeah they're gonna pay for it now so i'm curious how they they got their hands on these these ISOs, though, because, I mean, this is the Ukrainian government. I realize that they're going through some shit right now, but still, you're, you're going to torrent sites to grab your, your ISOs for your government computer installs? Or either that or they, they got it from their Russian friends. <laughs> they're, they're just dropping <laughs> USB sticks yeah. and leaving it on the battlefield, hoping yeah. someone <laughs> plugs it in. From Microsoft, Washington, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not beyond the realm of possibility. Mm -hmm. Russia had been feeding them Mickey up copies of Windows for 10 years because they knew they were going to do this one day. That's true. Right. And so um, anything else you guys want to talk about on that? But yeah, it's a really bad idea to use uh, Mickey mm -hmm. up copies. And when I say Mickey up copies, like unlicensed software that you're not buying legitimately. So um, if we're on a torrent site and it says Windows installer.iso and then like says all caps, like guaranteed legit. That doesn't make it legit. <laughs> you still do that? No. <laughs> <I just remember>. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff always says, you know, you can trust us, all caps, you know, like, oh, I mean, okay. 
you you can download the legit ones directly from Microsoft these days. Like that's just like, some really nice guy system. letting you know that he downloaded it already and it worked. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, in, in the in the olden days, when when you had to pay for every copy of Windows, like that was that was pretty common, where people were going to torrent sites and trying to get it for free. You know, nowadays you can just go right to Microsoft and download the ISO, no problem. Yeah, but if anybody is, you know, this is, I think, where we see fake Adobe, you know, people don't want to pay the Adobe su subscription and things like that. This is where you want to be careful. And those, those, this is what can happen. You know, just pay for the subscription and, and call it a day. Yep. All right. So now we got people being tricked into what's going on with Sentinel One installers. Like the theme of the day is people are getting tricked left and right. Yeah. Uh, so, so it looks like this one is, is, is just a, a Python package uh, that is dis, just uh, disguised as a Sentinel-1 installer. So it's, it's a fake uh, virus protection program security software that uh, is so they're just basically doctoring it up to look like that installer. And then when you install it, it does the exact opposite. It gives you, gives you the thing that you're, you're trying to protect against. I'm trying to see where they're getting this one from either. Like, how are they dispersing this? So it's basically what they're saying is it's going out as an actual, it's from an actual Sentinel One software development kit Python mm -hmm. client, and the threat actor uh, performed the updates to improve and fix malicious functionality of the package. So you know somewhere, some way, somebody is putting out a Sentinel-1 package on a server, maybe he's able to get it ranked on search engines or something like that. I don't know. Or maybe they're doing just phishing emails saying, hey, your Sentinel-1 is having a problem. You need to update it. And they're hoping people click on it. I mean, doesn't really say how they're actually distributing it other than they've identified a server mm -hmm. uh, that uploads data to a specific IP address. Um but it's saying that the malware package has been downloaded over a thousand times on PYPI. Hmm. <laughs> so, oh, were you going to say something, Andre? No, no. Okay. Um, so, you know, th this thing is, um, is floating out there and it would be for a malicious hacker who's just gained access to a network um, would be good to have in their bag of tricks because take the Sentinel one installer and in a network, put it on that shared folder that has IT installers, just throw it on there. Um, you know, somebody with privilege access might, might install it on one of the machines if they already have Sentinel one. So this may not be something that we see used, you know, in like direct attacks, but as part of a toolkit, this could be a pretty powerful, you know, another little knot, like another little arrow in the quiver, um, if you will. And the fact that a thousand people have downloaded it, mm -hmm. that's insane. <laughs> you know, um, that just means that now they've got access potentially to a thousand computers out there. And I wonder, does it also actually install Sentinel One while it's at it? Probably not. No. It, it read <laughs> like it, it, it almost was more like an update to Sentinel One. Right. <laughs> so Your interesting. Wow. Are now updated. Yeah. I don't know. People are up against a lot. It's a, it's amazing what these yeah. people are doing these days. It's unbelievable. So, um, hey, restaurant CRM platform 
and we'll wrap up here. Uh, seven rooms confirms breach after data for sale. Um, there's a lot of companies, guys, and just kind of side note here. There's a lot of companies um, out there that are that are just reporting breaches and hacks. Um, you know, I'm I follow quite a few state attorney generals, like the states close to to New Jersey, um, and there's just a ton of information on their websites about companies who have hacks and data breaches. And there's a lot of activity right now. And here we have another one, Seven Rooms. Uh, I don't know if they still have a contract with Topgolf, but they used to be the reservation system for Topgolf. Um, a real big um, restaurant CRM provider. Um, Schedulefly is another one I can remember in this sector mm -hmm. that got hit. Here's another you know, SaaS-based application that, you know, potentially could impact the businesses, you know, downstream from them, thousands of businesses where they won't be able to take reservations and, and just conduct business. But, um, you know, somebody on December 15th, you know, five days ago, a threat actor posted data samples on breached hacking forum claiming to have stolen almost 500 gigs, half a terabyte of a backup of a backup database with thousands of files containing information about seven rooms customers. Um, it's crazy. So um, they're saying that uh, the company clarified that guess credit card information, bank account data, social security numbers, or any highly similar, highly sensitive information was not stored on the compromised server. So it was not uh, exposed in the attack. Um, so they're also, they're also saying that it wasn't their systems that were were compromised. It was a third party uh, vendor uh, used for file transfers, uh, file transfer interface of a third party vendor was accessed. That's not comforting at all. No, <laughs> not at all. Mm -hmm. You know, and we say this all the time, but this information like literally could be used right now. You take all of those emails and those usernames and the company that they did the reservation with. You send them a link that says, hey, here's a $50 coupon for come out to eat with us this week. And you can get something out of them. Mm -hmm. Like, let's, it's a no-brainer. So, yeah, I'm not comforted at all by any of that information because it just doesn't sound – it's going to be used for all kinds of nefarious purposes. It, it also reeks of one of those, you know, level one uh, uh, disclosures, though. So. Hey, we, we got a hack, but you know, nothing really bad was, was touched. So yeah. let, let's give it a couple weeks. It's been five days, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> five days. So and the, other, one. the other thing too is, is just, you know, we are now going into 2023. Did nobody, I think everybody's tired of the, Oh, it wasn't us. It was a third party mm -hmm. kind of like, you know, cybersecurity best practices. I'm going to give you a little education here. If you don't know it, cybersecurity best practices require you to check your vendors and make sure your vendors actually have a cybersecurity program in place as well. And, you know, if they don't, you need to have the cojones to say, I'm not going to do business with them. Right. Pretty simple. And, you know, we're not there yet with businesses understanding that a you got to do that and b you got to sever relationships because somebody might be introducing more risk to your business because they don't do cybersecurity good enough. Mm -hmm. So, and and keep I mean, in mind too, like you know, you in, in that, that vein, 
that whenever we read one of these stories, it, it, it's not the third party vendor that gets named. It's it's the larger company. Right. So this is going to fall on you one way or another. So take that into consideration when, when you're deciding whether or not or how thoroughly to vet your third party vendors. You know, it's just like anything else. The buck stops with you yep. as the the person that your customer is uh, is working with. They don't care that it was a third party vendor. You are working with them. That's your responsibility. I can see these companies still using it as a cop out. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not going to name the third party vendor, but we're just going to blame it on somebody else and just hope mm -hmm. everybody forgets. It was um, Seven Tables Data LLC. That was the third party <laughs> vendor. That was funny. <laughs> so, all right, guys. Hey, I hope you guys have a good Christmas. We will. Uh, are we doing a show next week? I don't know. I was going to ask about that. Uh, well, it'll we'll be a surprise for the audience. We'll figure it out. Don't you get Aspen all next week, Brian? I wish. Someplace like that. <laughs> I wish. So, thanks, everyone. Remember, share our show. Help uh, everybody else learn about cybersecurity and get smart about this stuff in 2023. We'll see you either next week or next year. Take care. All right. <laughs> see ya.